If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I am beyond jazzed to talk to you about Innistrad Midnight Hunt Previews, new format, Let's Go, Baby. Yeah, and we haven't really gotten to do this style of episode in the past couple sets because we had like super elongated uh, preview season for Strixhaven and super truncated preview season for <laughs> AFR. And now we're back to to sort of a normal schedule where we do have like a good chunk of previews, but not the whole picture yet. And we have a little time to speculate, dive into some commons and uncommons that we've seen so far and and see if we can't try and like complete a little bit of the puzzle of the landscape of uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Yeah, it's going to be sweet investigate yeah. as it were ah i like it i like it yeah for sure yeah a <laughs> lot of cool stuff returning from the two innistrad uh blocks that we've had previously and some some sweet like sort of tweaks of things and then some new stuff so we're gonna dive in all the mechanics and look at a bunch of cards today that's how we're gonna run through stuff for this episode but before we get into any and all that good stuff a few housekeeping things first things first is the patreon page patreon.com slash lords of limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose and we say this at the beginning of every new set the discord is the place to be if you want to be on the ground floor of breaking open a new format so if you give back to the show via the patreon you get access to the lords on the discord which is the best uh, limited tech support on the internet 24 7 24 hours a day seven days a week um it's really really a fantastic community and we're we're super excited to sort of just we're i think we're just proud parents at this point watching the kids <laughs> go off to college like we're really sort of hands off at this point ben now that the discord is i don't know three and a half years old um so it's a really fantastic community if you're interested in getting in on the ground floor of that as the new set comes out in just a, a little bit and uh, there's a lot of other good stuff over at the patreon as well in terms of the as you move up the uh, reward tiers. So uh, if you, you're interested in that, if you feel like you get something back from the show, head on over to patreon.com slash Lords of Limited and see what works for you. And we also want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they joined. So this week we're welcoming Elliot, Brian, Edward, Jack, Ben, and Jonathan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. And I also just want to reiterate how awesome the Discord is the first couple of weeks of a format. I use it all the time, trophy channel, you know, getting people's opinions on card evaluations, what they think of the big picture of the format, what's important. It really is one of the best places to talk about the new set if you're interested in trying to solve the puzzle of the new set. Can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, I'm going to be leaning hard on the Discord for this set because I will. We, we haven't announced this on the show yet, but I'm going to be uh, out of the country for like the first week and a half of the set. Um, so I won't be able to play that much, but I, I will be able to play a little bit, thankfully, to uh, due to Arena being on my phone. So I'm looking forward to getting some like, you know, falling asleep in bed drafts on my phone there. Um, but I won't be able to play that much. So I will be leaning hard on the info from the Discord. Yeah, we're going to have our first ever Lords of Limited episode without Ethan Sachs. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be without either one of us. Actually, that's honestly impressive. We made it 225 episodes every week with both Mm -hmm. of us there. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, you always say and joining me on the line as always. Well, you won't be able to say that after uh, two weeks. Jeez, I'm gonna have to get a new intro. It's terrible. (laughs) Shows also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com. Best place to go for anything you need magic related or flesh and blood related or Pokemon related. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably getting magic stuff over there. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And speaking of magic stuff, you know, a new set coming out. The pre-orders aren't up yet, but I imagine they will be up soon. So if you're thinking about getting some Innistrad Midnight Hunt sealed product, um, consider ordering that from CFB. And there's also other great stuff over there. You know, CFB Pro, I just put out a really cool article on how I would tweak all the cards in AFR to make the format a little more balanced. So, you know, you, I, Alex, we're writing articles every week for the pro side. So if that's something you're interested in, more strategy content over there, anything like that, uh, make sure you use code LOL when you check out to let Channel Fireball know that we sent you over there. Yeah, that article was really sweet. I enjoyed reading that. I know you said it was quite cathartic to write and it was fun to read. Oh, cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. 
Yeah. So uh, let's dive into the new and returning mechanics from Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Ben, I want to ask you real quick before we get into this, uh, what is your relationship with the plane of Innistrad? How do you feel about the, the previous two blocks of this format? I am less jazzed about Innistrad, I think, than the community at large. But I also was not drafting super seriously when Innistrad first came out. And I did do a lot of drafting with my brothers, but I was not on the wavelength of like, what are the top commons? What's the best color? Like, how can I solve this format? Like, I just love drafting, you know? So I do strongly remember disliking the werewolf mechanic the first time around because it felt like it punished you for stumbling. You know, if you missed your two drop or whatever and the opponent had a two drop werewolf on the play, then their thing flips and is even better. It just felt snowball-y. I remember not liking that about the format. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I have a like a really great relationship with Innistrad, the the original block. Like I remember really drafting a ton of that format and listening to LR when Brian David Marshall was on talking about the spider spawning deck. I remember that episode very clearly and then like re- drafting that deck a lot and really I feel like that was very formative for me as a, a dirtily magic player and I don't remember much about Shadows over Innistrad I didn't draft that format a ton I feel like it's so hard to like think about sets before the podcast and after the podcast <laughs> just because we have like such a different relationship with magic now but yeah I, I am excited looking at these mechanics and seeing what is going to come in in this format because I think it's going it, to it looks like it's going to be sweet but I feel like we always say that when we we're looking at preview season well, it's because it's a new set. It's definitely going to be sweet. It's just how long it's going to be sweet for. That's the case. Yeah. So Ben alluded to this, you know, the werewolves, which were, were flipping, and they've sort of tweaked that a little bit or made it a little bit more like global. So they, they're introducing day and night or day bound and night bound, um, but day and night as, as well as a mechanic for the format. So when the game starts, it's neither day nor night. And in most games, it will become day first. And the most common way that will happen is if a permanent with day bound appears on the battlefield. So for example, we have Tavern Ruffian. What's that card do? It's three and a red for a two five human warrior werewolf. And it's got day bound and says if a player casts no spells during their turn, it becomes night next turn. Yeah, and that's pretty sweet. And so then when it when it flips, what happens? It turns into Tavern Smasher, which is a 6-5 werewolf with Nightbound. And if a player casts at least two spells during their own turn, it becomes day next turn. So the flipping happens the same way it always used to, right? Either no spells getting cast during a turn or two spells getting cast during a turn. But the difference is the the day-night part of it. And so it's a little confusing potentially, but they've got tokens to help you track day and night. So there's actually literally a token that'll be on the battlefield. So when something with Daybound enters, you have the day token. And it literally says on there, as it becomes day, transform all nightbound permanents. And then if a player casts no spells during their own turn, it becomes night next turn. Then you flip that day token over to night. And then it says on the token, as it becomes night, transform all daybound permanents. Permanents enter the battlefield nightbound, which is a cool twist on this. And then if a player casts at least two spells during their own turn, it becomes day next turn. So basically, all of these werewolves, once one enters, it's either going to be day or night. And then no matter what time of day it is, day or night, All of the werewolves on the battlefield for you and your opponent are going to be on their day side or their night side, respectively. So when it's night, it'll be really powerful to cast those cards, you know, for cheap and have them enter and flip without having to pass the turn. You know what I mean? So you only have to pass the turn once until somebody can double spell. This feels like a really clean revision because it it was sort of I remember like especially around this time when werewolves existed and people were playing in paper, there was also a lot of like rules rejiggering to figure out is it your responsibility to let your opponent know that like no cat no spells were cast so they have to flip their werewolves or whatever this just feels like a really clean way to say like look everything is flipped on night bound or day bound depending on if it's day or night well and this was when apnap i learned about apnap right active player non-active player because of yeah. whose werewolves transformed first Mm-hmm. Right. That was like sort of important with like Huntmaster of the Fells or whatever. Like, does it flip to deal two damage before your thing flips to have more than two toughness or whatever? And that's so for those of you that aren't familiar, APNAP, A-P-N-A-P is active player, non-active player. And what that means is the active players, whoever's turn it is, their triggers go on the stack first. And then the non-active player triggers go on the stack. So actually, whoever's turn it's not, their werewolves will transform first. Yeah, but that's not the case here, right? Everything flips at the same time. I assume? Yeah. Um. So I, that's really cool. I'm excited about that. And when I saw this mechanic, I was like, oh, okay, so this is just going to be for like the werewolf stuff. But there's actually other cards that care about whether it's day or night. If it's not day or night yet, it makes it day and then cares about stuff flipping back and forth that aren't 
werewolves. They're not flipping themselves. Yeah, I think it's got a lot of room for super sweet interactions in Limited. There's more double-faced goodies as well with the Disturb mechanic. What's going on there? So Disturb is a mechanic that transforms double-faced cards, but they don't care about day or night at all. So they, they don't work at all like daybound or nightbound. They just have the same, you know, all the Innistrad flip cards have the same sun and moon symbol in the upper left corner. So what Disturb is, it's an alternate casting cost that allows you to cast cards from your graveyard transformed. So for example, we've got Bait Hook Angler. What's going on there? So this is one in a blue for a 2-1, fine, 2-mana 2-1, little goblin piker, and it has disturbed for one in a blue, so you can cast it from your graveyard transformed as a 1-2 flying creature, and then if it would uh, be put into a graveyard from anywhere, you exile it instead. This is cool. This is like, it's like flashback effectively on creatures, except they come back as a different creature. Like the backside is always different from the front side, but this is just like, that's just a straight up two for one. Yeah, super sweet. I initially thought Baithook Angler was going to transform back and forth with Data Knight so that it was going to switch back into oh. the Baithook Angler, but it is not that busted. So these Disturb yeah. cards are one and done. Well, I mean, you could bounce them, though, because it doesn't say like if it would leave the battlefield. It says if it would just be put into the graveyard. So you could get it back to your hand and then rebuy it as a 2-1. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Last up, we've got Coven, which is a new ability word that's used to highlight abilities that get better if you control three or more creatures with different powers. So just like pretty clean way to describe that board state happening. And some Coven abilities resolve like different ways. Some of them are going to be triggered abilities, such as we find on Candlelit Cavalry. This is four and a green for a five, five human knight. And it says Coven at the beginning of combat on your turn. If you control three or more creatures with different powers, Candlelit Cavalry gains trample until end of turn. And it already is one of those three creatures right because it's a five five so then you mm -hmm. need two other creatures on the battlefield that have different powers than each other and five mm -hmm. uh, we've also got some uh, coven abilities that are activated so there's candle trap which is single white for an aura enchant creature enchanted creature has defender you prevent all combat damage that would be dealt by enchanted creature and then if you have coven you can pay two and a white to sacrifice candle trap and exile enchanted creature yeah and it's worth noting for something like candlelit cavalry which is the creature that one's going to check on resolution, right? You attack and then, you know, the trigger goes in the stack. And when the trigger resolves, it's going to look to see if you still meet those conditions. So your opponent could use removal in response to that. But the ones that are activated abilities like Candle Trap, as long as you meet that requirement, once you put that ability on the stack, your opponent can't, you know, cast a removal spell on one of your creatures to stop that ability from resolving. There's also a really cool combat trick that Coven appears on. It's Might of the Old Ways. This is one on a green for an instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And it says Coven. Then if you control three or more creatures with different powers, draw a card. So you could so this could like help enable you to get Coven, right? If you have you know, a 2-2, two, two, a 2-2, two, two, and a 3-3. Three, three. Well, you can make one of your 2-2s two, a 4-4. Four, four. So this is like eating something in combat potentially and then drawing you a card as well if you have Coven. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it seems like a lot going on, but it's cool that Coven's on all these different types of cards. Mm -hmm, for sure. And so not only do we have those three new mechanics, we also have a, a couple returning mechanics, which is sweet. So fans of OG and Estrad are going to be happy about Flashback. Not that Flashback was initially introduced there, but it was a big mechanic there. So Flashback is a way to cast a card from your graveyard. You basically get it, get it twice. So you have a way to cast it from your hand, and then it has a cost that you can pay from your graveyard to cast it. And then when you do that, you exile it. We've also got an ability called Investigate that's returning that uh, whenever a card has Investigate on it or it tells you to Investigate, you create a clue token, which is an artifact token that has the ability to sacrifice this draw card. And we've actually got a card here that has both of these returning mechanics on it in Secrets of the Key. Yeah, single blue for an instant investigate and then if the spell is cast from a graveyard you investigate twice instead and it has a flashback cost of three and a blue so a lot of mana there right three mana to draw one card and then eight mana to draw two but you could call this ancestral recall it is single blue draw three effectively you could call this ancestral recall if you were crazy but i mean <laughs> the, the fact that this is split up into installments makes this much better than it would be otherwise yeah, for sure. I have a feeling this card will be pretty sweet. I don't know. I mean, it's like it's 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 kind of nerfed, but a three three cards like this over installments for a common. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. And it pro probably has some synergy as well. All right. Speaking of synergy, let's take a look at some signposts on commons. It looks like each color pair is getting 
two cards this time around. At least that's what we've seen so far. So we have some color pairs uh, when we're recording this on the morning of the sixth. Some color pairs have two already spoiled. Some have one and then some actually have none so far. But we'll, we'll keep refreshing the spoiler to see if uh, anything comes up while we're recording. So what's going on with blue black to start? First up, we've got blade stitched scob, which is blue black for a two three and gives other zombies you control plus one plus oh. So just a clean zombie lord here. Yeah, and they're, the blue black definitely gets zombies as a thing there's a mechanic called decay that we didn't really talk about it's not a mechanic per se but it's a thing on zombies yeah so for decayed for example we, we have this a little further down but we can talk about it now there's hobbling zombie this is a common it's a two and a black for a two two zombie with death touch and when it dies you create a two two black zombie creature token with decayed and so what that means is the creature token can't block and when it attacks, sacrifice it at end of combat. So you just get like a one-shot 2-2. Two, two. It can't block, it can attack once, and then once it attacks, either it's going to get eaten, it trades, or you sacrifice it at end of combat. Kind of cool. I'm into it. Yeah, I, I, well, let's let's talk about this right now. So, I mean, we're, we're jumping around a little bit in the show notes, but if we're going to talk about Decay, let's talk about Decay. What's your initial read of this mechanic? Because I saw this and I was like, what the heck could this be good for? Why This seems pretty inconsequential. My initial thought was sweet, super flavorful. And then I was thinking, like, are there going to be ways to use these zombies? Are there going to be sacrifice outlets? That would be a cool way to use them. Are there going to be ways to get them trample? That would be a cool way to use them. Are you going to be able to build enough of them up to just, like, overwhelm your opponent with a zombie army? That would be mm -hmm. sweet, you know, like that you yeah. can just go wide enough that you can alpha strike with six or seven of them. And it doesn't matter that they don't come back the next turn. That would be cool. And then are there ways to potentially tap and use them also? Yeah, and, and there are. There are a couple cards that I was like, these seem like, again, I was reading these these commons and uncommons, and I was like, oh, I don't really see why these are good. And then it, it sort of clicked for me that maybe there's the decayed is for these cards. And we've seen two so far that care about tapping three untapped creatures you control. So first up, we've got Siege Zombie. This is one in a black for a 2-2 zombie at common. And you can tap three untapped creatures you control to have each opponent lose one life. And it's important to note that you don't have to tap this. So you could have six untapped creatures at like the end of your opponent's turn and just tap them all to have them lose two life you know so this could be like a little common engine thing and definitely takes advantage of decayed tokens lying around and there's also a card called inventory zombie it's single blue for a one three with defender and has tap three untapped creatures you control to look at the top card of your library and you can put that card into your graveyard so a little self mill potentially going on in blue black and then a way to use those decayed zombies as well yeah and self mill in a set like this is going to be very good right you can find flashback cards or you can find your uh you know disturb cards that are the, the creatures that you can then like rebuy from the graveyard so you you'll definitely be able to sort of like quote unquote draw cards with that kind of effect yeah um the other blue black card that's been spoiled is corpse cobble it says blue black for an instant as an additional cost to cast this spell sacrifice any number of creatures create an xx blue and black zombie creature token with menace where x is the total power of the sacrificed creatures and this has flashback for three blue black so you're presumably sacrificing your decayed zombies and stitching them together into a monster that is no longer decayed oh, yeah that's a great use of this for sure yeah sacrifice two decayed things now you have a four four menace yeah or sacrifice something in response to removal <laughs> so funny on uh, mythic spoiler which is where we have this card linked the like top card that it's like this is maybe this will remind you of this card is tend the pests from strixhaven and i'm just like well for comparing it to that i don't know if that makes me excited about this card but i can definitely see its applications with decayed for sure yeah it looks sweet moving on to blue white we've got devoted graph keeper here and it's looking like blue white might care about disturb so it's blue white for a two one creature human peasant when it enters the battlefield mill two cards Whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard, tap target creature you don't control, and then it itself has Disturb, and presumably the Disturbing is going to be the spells you're casting from your graveyard, also potentially flashing things back as well. Mm -hmm. So it Disturbs for one blue-white, and it transforms into Departed Soul Keeper, which is a 3-1 flyer, and it can only block creatures with a flying if it would be put into your graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. That is a 
powerful card. There's so much going on there. Yeah, it has the potential to like draw you into something with the mill two. It has the potential to be aggressive with the tap ability. And then also just the fact that it's a two for one itself coming back as a three one flyer. Or flashing back instance. It can be defensive. Yeah, well, there is another card that Blue White has, which is I think it's been a, the talk of the town for potential constructed applications. I'm curious what you think about it for limited. There's Faithful Mending. White, blue for an instant. You gain two life, draw two cards, then discard two cards. And it has flashback for one white blue so it, it's a nice play like reverse play on faithless looting right and, and instead you get to draw then discard rather than loot first this card is excellent right with things caring about being in the graveyard you know you pitch two disturbed cards all of a sudden you're up card advantage or you pitch flashback cards this card is strong in this format I think this is going to be a really, really good card. I think, yeah, you have the potential to like look at this card and go, oh, this is card disadvantage, right? Because you're just draw two, discard two, and then you're down the faithful mending. But you also get this as a flashback effect later. And also what Ben's talking about, if you discard things with flashback or with disturb, like you're just up cards, it's going to be good. Looking at those two cards, I am very excited right now knowing about zero other blue and white cards to play blue white. Well, we already know about the like that common two mana two one that has disturbed to become a one two flyer. That's good. Yeah, looks sweet. All right, let's see what's going on with green black. We've got Diagraph Rebirth, which is three black green for a sorcery. It costs one less to cast for each creature that died this turn. And you can return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it has flashback for five black green. So five mana reanimate and then a seven mana reanimate. Yeah, I think this is going to depend on, you know, what kind of goodies there are to reanimate. Certainly if you can self mill and reanimate something sweet, I'm pretty into this card. It's going to be hard to get it cheaper, right? You don't generally in limited want your creatures to die. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to kill multiple of your opponent's creatures. But maybe if black has the decayed theme going on, like those decayed zombies can be a way to get this cheaper. That could be sweet. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. I thought about that. Oh, man, maybe decayed is just awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It could be. Moving on to green white. We've got Dawnheart Wardens, which is one green white for a human warlock. It's a 3-3 with vigilance. And it has Coven at the beginning of combat on your turn. If you control three or more creatures with different powers, creatures you control get plus one, plus O oh until end of turn. Well, I wonder if Green White has a bit of a go-wide thing going on. And uh, well, what do you know? Join the dance is the other uncommon. This is Green White for a sorcery. Create two 1-1 one, one white human creature tokens. And it has flashback for three Green White. That's powerful yeah pretty spicy so and it looks like green white maybe is coven also and then if you're getting tokens that's going to make it easier to get coven right that one one token mm. and then you only have to have two other creatures once you've got a one one token to trigger coven that seems super sweet yeah for sure yeah that looks great um so i'm super interested to see like usually you know green white is sort of the fun police in the world of innistrad right because everything else gets like zombies or werewolves or whatever and then green white is usually where the humans hang out um and try and and keep the the beasts or the the, the ghouls in check so looks like uh green white's gonna have a bit of a go white aggro thing going on yeah i drafted a lot of green white travel prep back in the day that and spider spawning are the two decks i remember drafting a lot from innistrad <laughs> travel prep was insane for the and for those of you that didn't maybe play magic back then travel prep was a, a sorcery that could flash back that put two plus one plus one counters on creatures and then flashed back for it was a green card that flashed back for one and a white so you could get four plus one plus one counters spread across creatures from this one card it was super aggressive yeah, going two drop, three drop, and then double travel prep was usually GG. All right, next up in the previews here, we've got Kessig Naturalist. This is the red-green gold uncommon. It costs red-green for a 2-2, two -two, and whenever it attacks, you add red or green. Until end of turn, you don't lose that mana as steps and phases end, and it's got daybound as well. And then on the flip side, you've got Lord of the Ulvenwald. It's a 3-3 three -three werewolf that gives other wolves and werewolves you control plus one, plus one. And whenever it attacks, you add red or green until end of turn, you don't lose that mana as phases and steps end, and then nightbound as well. Yeah, this is sweet. You know, one of the things I'm noticing now as we look at this, we're going to look at the red black one in just a second. It's really refreshing looking at these signposts on commons and them not being legendary. So like you can load up on them, right? You can get rewarded for carving this out as your your seed or whatever, or recognizing that red green is the open deck for you and then getting like hooked up with late pick Kessig naturalists. And these will all like buff each other, right? Flip side, they're all werewolves and they're all going to buff each other. 
Ooh, that's spicy. Uh, looking at red, black, this is vampires. So vampire socialite is black, red for a 2-2. Vampire noble with menace. When vampire socialite enters the battlefield, if an opponent lost life this turn, put a plus and plus one counter on each other vampire you control. And as long as an opponent lost life this turn, each other vampire you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. And red, we can we can jump ahead here maybe a little bit and look at this sort of like life loss or life loss matters theme that red black has going on. Yeah, there's several cards that care about this. If your opponent lost life this turn, do X. So the first one we see here is Voldaren Ambusher. Uh, it's two and a red for a 2-2 when it enters the battlefield. If an opponent lost life this turn, it deals X damage up to one target creature at Planeswalker, where X is the number of vampires you control. Holy cow. Like, this feels like it might, it's like it's almost as good of a vampire payoff as the signpost uncommon. Yeah, it's a lot of things that have to go right, though, yeah? Like, you have to have multiple vampires. I mean, I guess you're dealing one guaranteed because this itself is a vampire, but you have to have another vampire, and you also have to get the opponent to lose life I don't know. That's that's a lot of stuff that has to come together. I think this is a good card, but not quite as insane as it looks at first glance. So we've seen some similar ish mechanics like this in the past. And the, the two that come to mind are raid, which didn't care about your opponent losing life, but it cared about if you had attacked with something this turn. And then we've also gotten bloodthirst, which did care if your opponent lost life, right? If a creature you control dealt damage to your opponent and you had enabled bloodthirst for some, some buffs for things to happen post combat. And the reasons I bring those up is those add a sort of spice layer to combat, right? When your red-black opponent attacks into you in this format, you're going to have to think about, are they, like, does this attack mean they have a trick? Or does this attack mean they're just trying to enable this life-loss matters thing? And so you might see them making some suspect attacks and think, oh no, like, which of these things is it? And do I want to block and potentially call the bluff? Or do I let them hit me and then potentially enable these post-combat cards? Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. There's more of these cards. There's Famished Foragers, three and a red for a four, three when it enters the battlefield if an opponent lost life this turn, add a red, 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 and then you can pay two and a red, discard a card, draw a card. It's super sweet that this has an ability on it yeah. that you can use that three red mana on because this reminds me from cons of Tark here yes. of Mardu Warshrieker. Yeah, that was the three and a red, three, three, and it had raid, right? When it, when it enters the battlefield, if you attacked, you got to add red, white, black to your mana pool. So very similar to this, and I, I agree. I love that that Famished Foragers has a way, a place to put that mana. But just imagine, like the curve out potential here is insane. If you go two drop, three drop, and then attack with those, your opponent loses life. You get to play this on turn four, and then maybe play a three drop as well. That's ridiculous. Yeah, this card is pushed <laughs> yeah I, that, i've got my eyes on that card for sure and then there's another card here arrogant outlaw two and a black for a three two vampire noble when it enters the battlefield if an opponent lost life this turn each opponent loses two life and you gain two life um so it sort of like gives itself a little bit of haste there right if you they lose life and then you get to play this and also drain for two i mean it seems like the red black aggro decks can have some nutty draws yeah, for sure. So moving back to those gold uncommons, we've got blue and red here. And blue red does seem to care about spells. So we'll go through all of those spells matter cards that have been spoiled so far. But the flashback uncommon is arcane infusion. It's blue red for an instant. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an instant or sorcery card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And then has flashback for three blue red. Yeah, this seems really sweet. And looking at the cards that have been spoiled so far... This is very well supported. So we've got four cards here to take a look at. First up is a common, Festival Crasher. One in a red for a 1-3 devil. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it gets plus two, plus oh until end of turn. This is just like, uh, what's it called? It's like a mini version of Kiln Fiend. So this gets plus two, plus oh when you cast a thing. That was one in a red for a 1-2, but it got plus three, plus oh. I don't know. This feels like there's some threat of activation here a lot of the time. Yeah, but I mean, if you don't have the thing, you're only poking in for one. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely, definitely going to be a scary card for sure. And I think going back to Arcane Infusion, which was the flashback spell, you know, where you look at four playing that or playing blue red, it looks like you're definitely going to want to have a huge density of spells. Yeah, one of the things that I think blue red often does is plays like an aggro tempo game, but doesn't have like that, you know, 16, 17 creature count. Like it's often going to be like 10 creatures and then you're fueling those creatures 
monsters with all of your spells either dealing damage directly to your opponent or whatever but yeah you're definitely going to want a huge density of instants and sorceries in this deck it looks like we've also got another creature here that potentially cares about spells we've got flame channeler this is one in a red for a 2-2 and whenever a spell you control deals damage you transform it and then on the back side it is embodiment of flame which is a 3-3 and whenever a spell you control deals damage you put a flame counter on it and you can pay one, remove a flame counter from it to exile the top card of your library, and you can play that card this turn. Ooh, I really like this card. I love those kinds of red effects, like the red card advantage effects that are, you, you have to sort of think about when you're going to activate them. Do you, like, are you playing your land, whatever? Like, it's very interesting. Yeah. And it's not dealing damage to an opponent. It's just like a burn spell. So when you cast a burn spell, it's going to flip, and then you can start turning their burn spells into two-for-ones. I was wondering why we got immolation instead of shock or whatever in this format but it looks like because maybe the cheap burn would be too good so immolations in this format this is a reprint it's single red for an aura enchanted creature gets plus two minus two so it's sort of like red's way to deal with small creatures and then it looks like they didn't want it to be uh, an instant or sorcery probably would have made the this deck maybe a little too good we've also got a reprint here in thermo alchemist it got rarity shifted from common to uncommon uh, so this is one in a red for an O3. It's now an uncommon. It has defender. Tap deals one damage to each opponent. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you untap Thermo Alchemist. This was like one of the best decks in Shadows over Innistrad. But it was because you could get this at, at common. Like you just load it up on these and then your Thermo Alchemists were your win conditions. 100%. That deck was annoying to play against. <laughs> for sure, yeah. So I'm glad they rarity shifted this, but I imagine that that may just be a clue that this card is even better in this format. And then last up, we've got Seize the Storm. This is four and a red for a sorcery at Uncommon. You create a red elemental creature token with Trample, and this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard, plus the number of cards with flashback you own in exile. And this spell itself has flashback for six and a red. That's really interesting. The first time I read this, I didn't, I was like, oh, this is like experimental overload. But this thing can grow, right? It doesn't have a static power and toughness. It grows as more stuff enters your graveyard or exile zone. Yeah, this card is significantly better than that. Also, trample tacked on means it can't yeah. get chumped. I think this is premium, premium payoff for doing this. And again, points to like the gold uncommon, a huge density of spells that you want to be playing in blue red. Yeah, ooh, that looks good. I, I really like when blue red spells is a well supported deck in the format. And it looks like it is here. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a powerful format and a very synergistic format from the cards we've seen so far. Well, that's what we like. That's what we like here at Lords Limited. Last up of the gold uncommons that have been spoiled is Flesh Taker. It says Ethan written all over it. White black for a 2-2 human assassin. Whenever you sacrifice another creature, you gain one life and scry one. And you can pay one to sack another creature to have Flesh Taker get plus two, plus two until end of turn. I don't know that I'd want to be associating myself with this card. It's been all the rage on Twitter with this creepy minotaur art, like, and then filleting people open. I don't know that I'd want to be staking my claim to flesh taker. Well, that's I'm just I'm I'm a bold man, Ben. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, this is sweet, though, from a Magic the Gathering perspective. Yeah, this is just like I love I love sacrifice decks. We talked about it yesterday when we were talking about red black in uh, the Tinkerer's Cube. And, I, you know, if this is the signpost card, I imagine it's well supported. And I prefer, you know, I, I'm, I'm a simple man. I prefer my aristocrats. I prefer my sacrifice stuff to not involve an act of treason effect. And the fact that this exists in white black i think leads me to believe that it'll be more about you know sacrificing your own stuff synergies rather than stealing and sacrificing yeah and if decayed again is self-contained in black could have some zombies floating around as sacrifice fodder that'd be super cool yeah absolutely take some rotting flesh <laughs> so that's it for now for the gold signpost on commons the rest of them have not been spoiled yet but uh we looked at that blue white deck and there's another super sweet disturb card that's been spoiled in beloved beggar what's going on there this is one on a white for an 04 human peasant at uncommon. That's it. Just a two mana 04. But it has disturb for four white white. So for six mana, you can cast it from your graveyard as a flying vigilance 4-4. And it has that same disturb text. If it goes to the graveyard, you exile it instead. I mean, so like the front side of that isn't great. And it's also kind of hard for that to die because it's for toughness. But like as Ben was talking about, like imagine just pitching that to faithful mending or getting it milled off of the the two one the devoted graph keeper or sacrificing it to your flesh taker like 
looks like it's going to be highly synergistic here to try and get that sort of quote unquote free 4-4 flying vigilance. Yes, like looking at this card and all these other cards spoiled right now, I don't know. I think you know, I said initially that I didn't really like Innistrad that much. And I think that's still true. But I do remember really enjoying the graveyard matters things like flashback and, you know, milling yourself to do things from your graveyard. Just the graveyard being a relevant zone adds so much more depth to the gameplay and strategy. Yes, for sure. Like that as an additional resource or way to accrue resources really makes the game, I think, a lot more fun. And again, it tacks on what we were talking about yesterday with the cube episode of like all these limited mechanics like learn lesson or whatever that they add to the potential for you having games, right? You're you're just not going to have non-games a lot of the time when you have all these places to put mana or ways to get resources. And that that excites me about like looking at Disturb and Flashback. So we've gone through a lot of powerful cards. We've also seen some premium removal spells spoiled here. We've got a reprint of Clear Shot, which is two and a green for an instant. Target creature you control gets plus one plus one until end of turn. It deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. This card is going to be nuts and a super high pick. Well, it's just like Hunter's Mark effectively, right? from AFR except it's one cheaper which is kind of crazy because when this card like this card was the best uncommon in Shadows over Innistrad or one of the best uncommons and now we're just like that's eh, a one mana cheaper hunter's mark or whatever like it's still it's going to be nuts but I wonder if it's going to if if our memory of the card is going to like dis like not serve us super well in terms of evaluating it today I think this card is premium like super solid BB plus. All right. Well, let's let's take a look at uh, this next removal spell. We've got Defenestrate. Two and a black for an instant at common. Destroy target creature without flying. Did you know I looked this up? Defenestrate actually means to throw someone out a window. That's like the meaning of the word. Oh, well, the art would definitely depict that for sure. Yeah, and it's flavorful. Destroy target creature without flying. So this is good. How good is it? How much of a drawback is this not being able to kill creatures with flying? This seems pretty good to me. I mean, usually at, at the most, like in terms of looking at commons and uncommons, what, 20% of the creatures like have flying or can gain flying. So this being able to kill 80% of threats, that's really good for a common. Yes, but flying ones typically are ones that you need to kill. Uh-huh. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is going to be a good removal spell. I just wonder how annoying it's going to be to not be able to kill flyers. I would be shocked if like it means, I don't know, that the second one has diminishing returns. Maybe the third one. Are you running three? Are you running four? You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't, am I running three removal spells ever? No. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would, I would say I would say two feels like a good spot to be at with this card. So moving on to some sweet uncommons. We've got foul play, one in a black for a sorcery, destroy target creature with power two or less, and then investigate, which is make that clue token that you can sack to draw a card. That's ridiculous. This card is, is bonkers. There's a lot of Doomblade draw cards in this format. Um, the other really sweet uncommon removal spell is Infernal Grasp. One on a black for an instant. Destroy target creature. You lose two life. There's going to be a whole generation of players saying dies to Infernal Grasp. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Ushering in the new generation. So we've got like some some clear ideas about what black gets in terms of some some premium looking removal we know green is getting this good uh bite spell at uncommon well we talked a little bit about uh the candle trap whites like you know pacifism effect we'll look at that uh in depth a little bit down the road um and then we'll, we'll you know get to see what what burn spells red is offered what what does blue get Blue gets a, a claustrophobia variant. What's going on there? We've got Locked Inside the Cemetery, which is one and a blue for an aura enchant creature. When Locked Inside the Cemetery enters the battlefield, if there are five or more cards in your graveyard, tap enchant a creature. Enchant a creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. Yeah, th this made me think of Unquenchable Thirst from uh, from Hour of Devastation, right? This was the one in a blue effect like this, but the clause to be able to tap it when you cast it was if you had a desert in, in player in your graveyard. And so I wonder if is this a clue to self-mill being a thing? You know, there was one of the most popular things in original Innistrad block was blue having this self-mill mechanic or the self-mill theme. And we've got some clues that we may be getting a little clear the mind or spider spawning loop to loop shenanigans with a couple other cards you have my attention okay so first up we've got covetous debtor which is one in a blue for a one three human at uncommon when it dies you mill three cards okay that's not great but as disturbed three blue blue so you can cast it from your graveyard 
uh, for five mana as a three, four flyer. And when it enters the battlefield, shuffle up to three target cards from your graveyard into your library. So we've got a little bit of, oh, maybe you can mix some stuff in from your graveyard into your library, start like stacking your deck or, or, you know, seeding your deck with just total gas. Sounds sweet. There's also turn the earth which is green for an instant. Choose up to three target cards in graveyards. The owner of those cards, shuffle them into their libraries. You gain two life. And then it has flashback one and a green. So for folks who don't know, there was like, yeah, so spider spawning is this spell that made a a one, two spider with reach for each creature card in your graveyard. And it had flashback as well. Um, And flashback cost was black, but it really was like the only black mana you would play in a blue green self mill deck and then you had these cards that allowed you to i think it was like memories journey shuffled three cards in from your graveyard to your library and it had flashback and then there was runic repetition which was this spell that allowed you to take a card with flashback from exile and put it into your hand and so with those cards you could go infinite you would never deck and you got to stack your your library, and you you know had a card like Gnaw the Bone, which allowed you to gain two life for each creature card in your graveyard, and that had flashback. And Turn the Earth feels like it's doing a little, it's like sort of two things there, like a little bit of life gain reminds me of Gnaw the Bone, and then the shuffle up effect reminds me of Memory's Journey. And I just have my fingers crossed that this is gonna be a viable strategy, and also maybe that we see Runic Repetition as a reprint. That would be super sweet. And these are blue green. We haven't seen the blue green gold uncommon yet. Like maybe this is just blue green's thing. I know that would be so awesome. (laughs) Super, super sweet. And speaking of super sweet, there are a few good looking build arounds, which has got me excited, especially after coming off of AFR where there weren't really that many. First up, we've got Ominous Roost. This is two and a blue for an enchantment at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield or whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard, create a 1-1 blue bird creature token with flying, and this creature can block only creatures with flying. So it's not going to be like a spider spawning thing that allowed you to like turtle up with all these tokens, but this seems like a really good payoff. Yeah, this is excellent with all the flashback and disturb running around. And mm-hmm. and you get the one one when you cast it, so you're not doing nothing the turn you yeah. cast it necessarily. I mean, they can only block creatures with flying, but getting the ball rolling is huge. Agreed. We've also got Ghoulish Procession in black. It's one and a black for an enchantment. Whenever one or more non-token creatures die, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with Decayed. This ability triggers only once each turn. So potentially in blue-black, you know, to get you some Decayed zombies. Also potentially good with the Flesh Taker, right? Yeah. You're going to be sacking stuff anyway to get yourself double fuel with all your sacrifice things. Oh, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we got some brewing going on. And our last sweet-looking build-around is Gavany Dawnguard. One white-white for a 3-3 human soldier at uncommon it has ward one and this is one of those cards we talked about like you know night and day not only existing with werewolves but we've got it here it says if it's neither day or night it becomes day as gavany dawn guard enters the battlefield whenever day becomes night or night becomes day look at the top four cards of your library you may reveal a creature card with mana value three or less from among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order so it's super interesting, right? Like you not casting spells or casting two spells with just this in play and no other werewolves is not going to trigger day or night flipping, right? Correct. There needs to be a werewolf on the battlefield. But this does incentivize you to like pair it with, I, I would assume, green or red to get those werewolves so that then you can like try and do the flipping stuff as often as possible to get this card advantage. Yeah, I think super sweet engine potentially. Yeah. So speaking of daybound nightbound cards, we've got Fangblade Thief. Uh, this is three and a red for an uncommon human werewolf. It's a three four on the front side, and has one and a red. Gets plus one plus zero oh and gains first strike until end of turn, and then has daybound. So it's going to be day when it comes into play. On the back side with nightbound, you've got a four five with the same activated ability. Uh, gets plus one plus zero oh and gains first strike until end of turn for one and a red. It can also pump your whole team for four and a red and give creatures you control plus two plus O, oh, including itself, until end of turn. Holy cow, that is huge. Yeah, it's very, very aggressive. So something that I remember from Innistrad and from Werewolves is that activated abilities on these cards are generally super sweet since they let you do something for your turn while also flipping your werewolves, right? So you're saying like, okay, I'm not going to affect the board because I want no spells to have been cast this turn so I can make it night. But I don't want to light all my mana on fire, to use our, our patented Lords of Limited phrase. So I have something to do here. I can pump one and a red into this, give it plus one, plus oh, and first strike, and still reap the benefits of it flipping. Yeah, very strong. And I think it's worth noting, 
if both of you have werewolves, you and your opponent, it's going to be really interesting with the day night thing. Like if you're in a werewolves mirror, is it more beneficial for you or your opponent to have it be night? Because when it's night, everything's going to come in on the backside, which is just mm-hmm. going to power up the game so much. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's a couple other like mana sinky wolves we've seen so far. First up is Snarling Wolf. This is green for a 1-1 at common. And you can pay one in a green to have it get plus two, plus two until end of turn, but activate only once each turn. Yeah, threat of activation on that's going to be real. And as you alluded to, places to put your mana when you're trying to make it day or night. I guess you're trying to make it night when you don't do anything, yeah? Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've seen effects like this before. I do think it's a lot worse tacked on to a 1-1 one, one, then a 2-2 two, two, right there was there was dark thicket wolf in og and astrad which is two mana for a 2-2 two, two, and then it had the same activated ability but it was only four uh but it was for two and a green um but sneaking in the one damage is is significantly less good than sneaking in the two damage agreed dark thicket wolf was insane yeah we've also got pestilent wolf this is one and a green for a 2-2 two, two. speaking of dark thicket wolf yeah. um unfortunately this doesn't get plus two plus two it does have an activated ability though so one and a green for a 2-2 two, two, and if you pay two and a green pestilent wolf gains death touch until end of turn yeah also another weird one because like you're gonna want to pass with this up on your opponent's turn Right. You usually want to block with a death touch thing, not attack with a death touch thing. Right. So you're shifting it to night and then potentially playing defense with this card. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this, this seems like it'll be filler. Yeah. Both of those seem fine. Not insane. Yeah. We've got another sort of werewolf lord here with village watch. This is four and a red for a four three with haste at uncommon and has day bound. Um, and so the flip side is village reavers, which is a five four. And it says wolves and werewolves you control have haste and so like not only are the flip cards wolves or or werewolves but so are like you know the snarling wolf and the pestilent wolf and i'm sure we'll see other cards in the coming days um that fit into this deck as well yeah i think you're hoping it never becomes night if your opponent has this on the the battlefield it seems terrifying yeah right right because not only do the werewolves have haste but they're also coming in on the night bound side and so they're huge right for sure yeah 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 it's gonna be terrifying and i think if you're not playing werewolves maybe we're gonna see you know cheap spells become valuable like mana curve is gonna matter right because you definitely want the ability to turn it back today yeah i guess so yeah you like the the thing that you really want to be able to do as the i guess the non-werewolf player is punish your opponent from like for not affecting the board saying like hey i'm gonna take a turn off to try and flip all this stuff and then if you get to just immediately clap back and say hey here's two spells you wasted your turn that is going to be a really powerful way to tempo them out well and just the way that this has been reframed from original innistrad like the the day night thing it's way more powerful that it's night than it was to flip a werewolf that's already on the battlefield, right? The fact that they enter on the backside is completely absurd. Yes. All right, that is going to bring us to our, our final little segment here, looking at some cards that maybe didn't slot in elsewhere or some cards that I want to talk about specifically. We're going to do our, our patented edition of Great or Garbage, or did you want to rename this for the, the Innistrad theme? I was going to go with Trick or Treat, baby. All right, we can go Trick or Treat this time. So first <laughs> up, we're going to look at Lunar Frenzy. This is... X and red for an instant at uncommon. Target creature you control gets plus X plus zero and gains first strike and trample until end of turn. Yeah, my first thought when I look at Lunar Frenzy is that this is pretty busted, right? It's just a better howl from beyond for old school fans of magic. Yeah, it's the same thing except it grants first strike and trample, which is huge. And they're really great in tandem. And this like scales so well with the game, right? As two mana, this is just going to win you most combats with your creature, right? Just giving a plus one, plus oh, and first strike. That's fine. And then in the late game, this can just, you know, kill your opponent's biggest threat in combat or just kill your opponent out of nowhere in combat. So what kind of a grade would you give? I mean, is this a B minus, a B? This feels like a pull into red to me almost. I, this seems very powerful. I think this is a big, big t- treat for me uh, in terms treat. of the, I like the trick it. or treat. So I, I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah, I think this is going to be a high pick. All right. Next up, we're going to take a look at Candle Trap again. Uh, this is the white removal spell. It's white for an aura. Enchanted creature has defender. Prevent all combat damage that we dealt by enchanted creature. And then coven, two and a white, sacrifice candle trap. Exile, enchanted creature. Activate this only if you control three or more creatures with different power. Yeah, so this is our our pacifism effect, right? And, and we've seen this range from you know who cares in some sets to like hey this is actually really good think about like dreadful apathy from theros beyond death or whatever where are you at on the spectrum here with candle trap 
The density of sacrifice things we've seen makes me nervous about it. Have we seen a lot of sacrifice stuff other than the white black on common? Um, no, no, I guess not. It just feels like there's a lot of like, you know, I don't know, disposable or expendable bodies. You're also going to be able to tap this for those things that care about tapping creatures. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It makes me nervous. It is powerful. And the fact that you're ultimately going to be able to get rid of it once you have coven is important. But it's also defender, so it's going to sit there and be able to still be a blocker. So it's not an aggressive removal spell. I don't know. This does not seem premium to me. It, Coven is such an interesting mechanic because it's so it, it's fragile in a way, right? If your deck is built around Coven a little bit and your opponent is aggressive, you're going to there's some real tension there of like, ah, I, I like I want to trade off so I don't die, but I also want my 2-2 around so that I can get my three different powers. Like, that is really tough. Yes, it's awkward. I, I think the fact that this leaves your opponent a blocker until you can remove it, I, I'm pretty off of this card initially as far as valuing it highly. Like, will I play a copy? Sure, probably. But I, I can't imagine that this is a pull into white at all. Yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm with you. I think I'm gonna go trick on Candle Trap. Next up we've got Contortionist Troop. This is X and a green for a zero zero human at uncommon. It enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, and it has Coven. At the beginning of your end step, if you control three or more creatures with different powers, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. This seems fine. It's not particularly exciting, right? So you spend five mana, you get a four four. The cute thing is that you can make this whatever power you need to trigger coven i don't know but and then it doesn't trigger until your end step i don't know i feel like this might be like a key to coven like the fact that it's so flexible and lets your stuff grow like and then as like as you progress the game you can then drop the counters wherever you want so you keep having coven i think this seems pretty sweet does this make you want to draft a coven deck it does not make me want to do that like i could see this being c plus ish like gonna be a good card if you're already doing the coven thing in trick or treat you gotta make a stand then you can't <laughs> say c plus okay it's trick right, or it's a treat well but it it's like a medium tasting treat okay so it's a treat but it's like not it's like the a, houses that give out the hershey's it's like bars it's, it's like, like a york peppermint patty yeah it's like the crappy you know people <laughs> that just give have like jolly ranchers and like a bunch it's of bad tasting candy it's better than that <laughs> It's, it's better, better than, than the that. Jolly Rancher. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's basically a trick right there. I don't know. Uh, I think this is good. I'm going. I'm going treat on Contortionist Troop. I'm going treat, but it's not the Primo treats. Okay, there's a lot going on with this next card. Yeah, this is Heirloom Mirror. One in a black for an artifact. One tap, pay one life, discard a card. You draw a card, mill a card, then put a ritual counter on Heirloom Mirror. Then if it has three or more ritual counters on it, remove them and transform it activate only as a sorcery <laughs> holy okay. cow so a lot of text that effectively says you get to rummage three times with this but also a little upside from the the mill yourself as well yeah and then it flips into inherited fiend which is a 4-4 demon with flying two and a black exile target creature from a graveyard put a plus one plus one counter on inherited fiend that is quite the payoff for jumping through the hoops that's a treat, right? That's a Snickers bar right there. Yeah, but you had to discard three cards along the way. I guess you're you're looting. You're I don't... Yeah, you're you're rummaging. Yeah, and you're milling, and the milling's probably a benefit. So in installments, you're ending up paying five mana. This card's just good, right? This is a yeah, treat. This card is really good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, this card is definitely a treat. This is literally the first time I've seen this card, and it is wow. I think a lot of people are going to underrate this card. Like, it look, it's going to look slow or whatever, and the front side has a lot of text. I think this is going to be pretty darn underrated at the start of the format yeah there's no way to get ritual counters on it so this is the thing there's no cheating if it's going to be like on delay i don't know is this that good yes yes but it's not going to be like happening on turn five right because you you don't want to play off curve once you play this on turn two i don't know no you can play yeah sure if you have a two drop in your hand play that instead but sometimes you don't right yeah 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 but i'm just saying like this is more more likely to be happening on turn seven turn eight because you're just not going to have an extra mana to spend every turn once you play this maybe i don't know then then that's good for you i don't know what you're you're, you're describing a scenario where you're tapping out every turn doing other stuff that's also good yes that doesn't make this card bad i agree there's just a lot to process with this card i'm, I'm <laughs> okay. coming around to it i mean i still think it's a treat but i'm i'm less high on it than i was 30 seconds ago or whatever 
Why? Because I think it's a little slow. And I think the one, like if it was just tap, pay a life, discard a card, it would be ridiculous, right? If you looted for free. The fact that you have to spend a mana, I think, is is real. Okay. I, th- I don't think that's going to be that big of a downside. You can. U- I feel like you can usually find a mana. I think so. I, it, this card's good. I agree. It's good. Next up, we've got Pure Flame Dragon. This is three red red for a 4-3 flying creature at uncommon. And when it attacks, it deals one damage to target creature defending player controls. But if that creature is a zombie, deals two damage to it instead. Ooh, that zombie fire, that pure fire. That pure fire. I don't know. I feel like we've we've seen cards like this enough like these like sort of medium statted five mana flyers with thieves whatever on on attack effects i don't think this is that good i think this is going to be overrated Ooh, you're going trick i think this is going to be a bit of a trick i don't know that's a tough sell maybe the four power pushes it over and maybe like if it were a three three it would be less good and the four power makes it good and we haven't seen like i guess what the removal is like this is gonna trade down on mana a lot against removal it doesn't die to defenestrate it depends on what the removal spells at common are right 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 yeah that's definitely true right does does red get a deal three for whatever two or three mana yeah i don't know i'm initially coming in on treat like a conservative treat like mm-hmm. better than a jolly rancher still worse than a hershey's <laughs> bar okay okay but again I, I agree we've seen similar cards that look like oh my god this is insane but it ends up underperforming a little bit Right. That's that's my fear or worry about the card, but maybe the four power pushes it over the edge. Last up here, we've got Defend the Celestis. This is two green green for an instant. Distribute three plus one plus one counters among one, two, or three target creatures you control. This is a lot of power, but it's also a four mana combat trick. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to be using this on offense, right? You don't want to be passing. I mean, theoretically, you could do that with the werewolves, right? So to flip it to night... You could pass and then your your werewolves flip and then you have this. But it's dangerous using this on defense, right? Because your opponent can presumably have their mana up for instant speed interaction. But the fact that it's an instant and you have that option, I guess you'd rather have that than not. Mm -hmm. But it's much safer to use this on attacks when your opponent's tapped out. Also, you could just do it main phase to like trigger Coven before combat if you have like the green white uncommon or whatever. I don't know. I'm usually very wary of these cards. But this looks like it might like have enough context and the flexibility of this is huge. Like normally we've seen, you know, something like incremental growth or whatever that card is, you know, put put a counter and then two counters and then three counters. The fact that you can distribute these however you want at instant speed, that's sort of piquing my interest a little bit. I agree. This looks super powerful to me. I'm I'm in on treat. Yeah, I think I'm in on treat on defend the Celestis as well. All right. Well, then do one more quick refresh here if we got any more commons or uncommons and we don't so i think that's uh that'll probably do it yeah what are you most excited about what am i most excited about i'm i'm pretty excited about white blue doing like the flashback and uh disturb i'm excited about that i'm excited i've just like fingers crossed for some blue green loop to loop shenanigans i think that's what I'm, i'm most excited about the prospect of that how about you I think for me, as we've seen things, it's blue, white, and then blue, red. Mm -hmm. Those both look very sweet to me. And then I'm also, fingers crossed, for blue, green, loop-de-loop stuff. White, black, if there's a sacrifice thing. I don't know. This looks deep. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm really excited. I was initially like writing off. I mean, not writing off, but I was like, where does this decayed stuff fit in? But it does seem like there's a lot of applications, and that might be a cool puzzle to solve of like, you know, how good is it? Where is it at its best, etc. Well, and it looks like werewolves and green white are pretty pushed to maybe keep all the super sweet dirtily synergies in check. It looks like the format could be great just based on what we've seen so far. I, I don't know. I am. My curiosity is peaked. Yeah, agreed. And uh, we'll, we'll have the full picture next week and we'll bring you all those uh, crash course goodies that you you know our show for. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro to read our articles, please use the code LOL at checkout when you do to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. Spelled out we're both under those same usernames on twitter and you can tweet at the podcast at lords of limited if you've got any feedback about the show or any questions shoot us an email at lords of limited at gmail.com thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later
I had I finally had a podcasting nightmare. What? Like have you ever like you know like the actor's nightmare? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like you're like you're naked on stage yeah, or whatever. It, yeah, you like never don't know what the your lines are or whatever. I had a dream that we were recording and like <laughs> it's just so specific. It was like my audacity track was in like stereo not mono and i like <laughs> couldn't fix it and we were already recording and like my microphone was far away from me and i couldn't get it closer <laughs> so no more back-to-back podcasting days <laughs> no more back-to-back podcasting days confirmed <laughs> yeah oh 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 o'reilly you need parts o'reilly auto parts has parts Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 